Welcome back to the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Jeffrey. So today I have two very, very knowledgeable guys. And luckily one actually lives with me. So I have the benefit of having his knowledge pretty much 24 um, seven. And I also have my coach, Austin Stout, who is based in the US. So we're going to be talking about post-show and off season. This is an area that I know I've already spoken to a lot of girls and I know a lot of girls are a little bit apprehensive about this. So I thought we would delve into all different aspects so you guys can go into your off seasons, go into post-show with more knowledge, more understanding and more awareness. So I'll let these guys introduce themselves, but welcome Austin Stout and Joe Jeffrey to the podcast. Thank you. You do want to go? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know me, I am based in the U.S. Uh, I've been, I've known Joe and Jasmine for how long have we been working together now? Probably yeah, two years. Year ago. I think so. Yeah, I think we've known each other for two years, and then it was a year ago. Okay. Two years in January. Oh my god. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, so almost two years. Um, started working with both of you guys, uh, and kind of. I mean, I mean, we've accomplished quite a bit since then, kind of grown into a good friendship. Um, actually do the OPD podcast with Joe. I don't know what all you want to know about I me. Mean, I've been coaching for, I've been in this industry for about 10 years now. Uh, I have a competitor myself and compete in men's bodybuilding and work with all kinds of different clients. And so hopefully we can shed some light on this topic for you guys. Okay, go on, James. Yep, so I'm Joe Jeffrey. I work with Austin over at the Optimal Physique Development Group and podcast. Um, if you guys want to check that out, thank you for having me, Jazz. I've never been on here before, but I often hear her uh, talking to herself upstairs and <laughs> doing these. So, yeah, guys, primarily as an online physique coach and um, running the OPD group and podcast. And that's me. Sorry about the pauses. I'm currently eating a pre workout meal, multitasking here, but. Yeah, we'll lay down some stuff for you guys. Hopefully make sure your post-show periods run as smoothly as they possibly can. One thing I kind of say to people, Austin, is that you are my coach, but then Joe's like the coach on the ground, <laughs> like with the reports back to you. That's kind of my conspiracy theory anyway. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you... That's cheating, <laughs> nothing, nothing can get past me since you have, you know, you can't really hide anything, so... <laughs> Damn it. Damn. It Oh, okay, so I think we should probably talk about post-show because I know a lot of finals are going on this weekend. I know a lot of girls are going to the post-shows for the first time. Um, I don't know if you guys want to kind of shed some light as to what they could be expecting, maybe that first week post-show in terms of how they might be feeling, their hormones, hunger levels, digestion, all that sort of thing. I don't know if that's a good kind of first topic to kind of bash out. Yeah. Sure. I can, yeah, I can start on it. Um, so first thing that I always encourage people to do, and it might be too late for some of the people listening, you, you might already be past this point, but it's always good for people to kind of go, be able to go through phases of fat loss and, and muscle gain at least a couple times previous to competing. Like I said, if, if you've already kind of burnt that bridge and you're doing your first show after only training for six months, then you know, you might have a little bit rougher time. And, and the reason I say that's because a lot of the, a lot of the things that Joe and I can explain that happen physically in terms of hormones and hunger and, and what have you, even though you know them, it's still difficult to manage unless psychologically you understand like how, how it's going to feel. You're going to have unexplained hunger, uh, especially psychological hunger that's going to come up. Um, you're going to have changes in energy, your neurotransmitters, your mood's going to change. I mean, all these things is essentially just your body trying to regain homeostasis. Your body's job is at this point, to put it quite simply, is to refill your fat cells as quick as it can, um, stabilize your hunger as quick as it can, get you to eat normally. No, I mean like a baseline of calories as quick as it can. So you're going to be feeling all these things like even though you just ate, you might still be hungry, for example. Uh, you, you know, you're going to have that because, again, it's your body's way of telling you, we need more food, we need more body fat, uh, you know, we need to stabilize these things as quick as possible. So there are some, a lot of different ways, if you want to use the term reverse dieting, 
there's a lot of different arguments on it. Some people have, some people have the argument of you should get your calories back up to maintenance as quick as possible. And you should regain the body fat as quick as possible. Other people have like the brutally slow approach to it. Um, I definitely don't really prescribe, you know, prescribe to either of those. It's more so just an individual thing. And, and, uh, as you'll probably find out as we talk, there's, there's a mental component to that too. You can't, it doesn't matter how foolproof your post-show plan is, how foolproof, you know, if you're getting lab work done, checking your hormones, you're, you have the best, you know, you have the best coach with the best plan. It doesn't really make any difference if you can't adhere to it. So that's, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Okay. I'll expand on that a little bit. So assuming it's only female competitors listening to this, there's going to be a large degree of context that we can apply to how you're going to feel in this post-show period. So as um, a trained figure competitor, for example, you're hormonally going to be in a much more deleterious, downregulated position than a, a toned bikini competitor, for example. More than likely, you're going to have more thyroidal downregulation, more endogenous hormone downregulation if you're not an enhanced athlete. Um, and why is that? Because of body fat. Yeah, essentially, we can see from all the case studies in natural athletes that the leaner you get, the lower your physiological grades of hormones. Ah, endogenously, um, in terms of the thyroidal and the HPG axes, or okay, so what's, the, so what's thyroidal HPG? So the hypopituitary thyroidal axes, essentially. So what we're talking about is testosterone production. So from females, we're talking adrenal and ovarian primarily, um, thyroidal, and things like ghrelin, leptin, downregulation, and T3, T4. Down regulation, so slowing of the metabolism essentially. Um, so the leaner you are, the more in downregulated state you're going to be. So therefore, the further away from your optimal physiological level you're going to be, and probably the longer it's going to take you to get back, and you're going to feel worse. This isn't the subject of a natural competitor. If you've been using exogenous thyroid drugs, then there's a little bit of a negative feedback, but it doesn't last very long. And if you're eating at a slight surplus, we know from the literature that in about roughly 48 hours, you can re-establish ghrelin and leptin function. So not so much yeah. unless you're doing some kind of slow Lane Norton style reverse diet. Um, I'll get onto that in a second. You're going to have to explain ghrelin and leptin. I still get confused which one. I know it's because I'm hunger more, but maybe yeah. people that don't. I don't want to overcomplicate this, but essentially hormones that are going to drive appetite okay. or suppress it at other ends of the scale. But you're going to be in a state of which you are psychologically very hungry when even physiologically you may not be. So this might be the case for recognizing that you're going to feel hungry, but you're actually not hungry. You don't require those nutrients for survival. So if you can recognize that and avoid the thought of, oh my God, I need to eat, um, because you don't, then you can have a smoother post-show period. Mm. All under the context that, I mean, like Austin said, psychology comes into it greatly. So in a perfect, ideal world which really doesn't exist with bodybuilders because they're neurotic self-obsessed types um we would <laughs> well women i don't want to shoot myself in the foot here but psychologically struggle with body image a lot especially in the competitive physique world so ideally after a show we'd have a woman gain some fat back straight away get all hormones back to a homeostatic good physiological level and get progressing and get performing well again and get all their relative health markers in check by getting straight up to an estimated surplus, wherever that may be, as soon as possible. Again, like Austin said, though, it doesn't always work like that and girls can't mentally handle it. So you're going to have to assess yourself there. But just recognize if you are reverse dieting slowly, you are just essentially holding yourself in a deficit longer and therefore either further perpetuating the problem or just leaving it where it is and not actually recovering so do you think girls you said that girls can't mentally handle do you, austin do you find that it's more prone to females that struggle with post-shows and males i actually didn't mean that i just want to interject i think males struggle more than females in my experience yeah oh, i'm just interested no that's I would, not and i could tell you i could add to that as well and like joe said the further away from your your natural body fat set point you, you know the more you're going to have that those down regulations of hormones or hormone dysfunction whether it's thyroid or testosterone or in females, you know, you have other sex hormones going on just, I mean, you have those in males as well, but you have to figure too, it's, 
males, typically a male is going to have to get a little bit leaner than females, depending on the class. Um, but again, I think it really, to me, it's completely relevant. It's just all completely relevant to their starting point and their ending point and everything that happened in between in terms of how hard they had to push, you know, how big is the deficit? How long was the deficit? How, you know, that's really going to determine where those adaptions are. I mean, I've had on paper, you would think a bikini competitor would have an easier post-show period than a women's physique competitor, which is normally the case uh, for those reasons we mentioned, but it's not necessarily always the case. You know, something that I try to relay to people, like if I'm working with someone and we're going into post-show, I have a pretty good grasp on what we had to do for, you know, to get them in shape. So I'm going to know, you know, hey, we, you know, you have a slower metabolism, uh, you're naturally a little bit heavier, you know, all these things. Your post-show period is probably going to be a little bit harder than the women's physique competitor that even though she got leaner than you, she has, she's naturally leaner than you and her prep was quote unquote easier. So, you know, therefore those metabolic adaptions and hormonal adaptions aren't occurring quite as harshly. Uh, so you can, you can kind of gauge that and it's, and it's not really like you can't predict it perfectly, but you can, you know, trends would tell you that the harder somebody you push, probably the harder that, that post-show period is going to be. Does that necessarily mean that you need to treat it differently? Not really. Um, it's just, it just means that psychologically it's going to be harder because like Joe said, you're going to have those times of psychological hunger where physical hunger is not really present because maybe you just ate a meal, but you still want to eat. Uh, you just have to be aware of, you know, triggers, for example, um, like it's stuff that you and I have talked about and Joe and I have talked about in terms of how do you how do you do things like how quickly do you introduce different foods? How quickly do you introduce something like a free meal if they're going to use it? Like where do those things fall into place? While something might seem harmless, it could really set off a really bad cascade of binge eating. For example, I find that things that are hyper palatable food wise are really bad right after the show. Um, it's not that, I mean, those are the things that typically people want something hyper palatable, meaning normally combination of sugar and fat together. That makes something hyper palatable usually because it's higher taste thresholds. It has a better taste, but those are the things that are also probably going to set off your binge eating, for example. Um, and again, even if you've created, you know, if you're in a down-regulated state, no matter how good your reverse diet plan is, if you binge eat and you eat eight to 10,000 calories in a day, well, you've just consumed a week's worth of calories, you know, in one day. And you're deaf, you've already shot yourself in the foot because those adipose cells are going to be, they're going to absorb a pretty large amount of it. So I think it's, it's a really good idea to keep the deficit probably as efficient as possible. When I say efficient, meaning as just enough, just enough that you're going to refill glycogen and intramuscular triglycerides and you're going to fuel your workouts and getting stronger. And you're going to fill out, you know, you're going to fill the fat cells a little bit, but you don't need to be in a, you know, you don't need to be in a thousand calorie surplus every single day mm. to accomplish this. So, I mean, really there's a, <laughs> really there's a lot of, a lot of variables, but I could say, in general, and I think Joe would probably agree, most people are going to be able to come out of the gate a little bit faster and then things are going to slow down. Generally, generally that's how it's going to happen because you're going to super compensate. You're going to fill out, you know, it's like, it's like people that have eaten way too much after a show. They notice that they look really good for a week and they're, they're thinking that they're pretty much invincible at that point. They keep eating nothing. They're not really getting fatter. They just look better. And then all of a sudden they spill. Once those adipose cells fill, you know, or I'm sorry, once the glycogen fills, you know, it's everything's just going to spill over in fat more or less. So you can come out of the gate a little bit faster. And then typically when somebody's, when somebody's full in terms of glycogen, you're going to have to slow things way down um, and just kind of see what the metabolism is telling you from that point on. So in terms of, you mentioned briefly there, but uh, people consuming eight to 10,000 calories. I never understand these YouTube challenges of why post-show people, <laughs> oh, 
oh no, I'm just going to do a 10,000 calorie challenge right now, like the worst time ever. Well, I think that people, people think, I mean, there's always been this, um, this like, egregious myth in the physique world that you're primed for growth after a show. I mean, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to have some superior insulin sensitivity, but insulin sensitivity exists outside of the muscle cell as well. And, and what other cell is going to be extremely insulin sensitive? The fat cell, yeah? So yep. you are primed to gain body fat post-show. And after accounting for the thermic effect of the food that you eat, we as humans essentially have an unlimited capacity to store new adipose tissue and to refill old adipose cells back up. Mm. You know, I, I, there is a number, but it's it's ridiculously high that no one's ever going to be able to consume. So girls say that they've got booty gains after two weeks. They're, they're not got. They haven't got booty gains after two weeks. Well, they've probably filled out, <laughs> you know, some intramuscular glycogen and blood volume. But hypertrophy isn't that acute, especially in a female, unless they're taking a lot of exogenous hormones. Um, okay. No, nobody's making gains in two weeks. No. So how long would you say then would it take? to I guess it's not a case it's like you in one stage fat loss the next stage recovery the next stage and then you must rebuild obviously it's all in the same quality of well but how long would you say generally it takes females for example bikini girls to recover actually hormonally because I guess there's a difference between feeling recovered but then actually hormonally feeling recovered as well if that makes sense hormones are so biologically and inter-individual I mean, I'm sure Austin does. I know women that have competed and never regained hormonal function and are now on HRT, especially common in older women. You know, and women that compete for a long time always end up on HRT early. But if we're working off of data, I mean, the case studies that we have on natural female competitors, about six to nine months. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, and you mentioned the important thing there is you mentioned feeling recovered and being recovered. So our, the case studies that we have kind of showed us the discrepancies there. Um, and Joe probably knows the ones I'm talking about for nat for natural. And these were in natural bodybuilders. So um, though I, uh, the, truthfully, I don't think the only difference in an enhanced bodybuilder is really going to be if someone's on permanent HRT. So they have that baseline. Um, a lot of females that we're probably talking to are not, if I had to guess, Yeah. So this might not be relevant to them. But yeah, even though you feel better, you tend to feel better. You may tend to feel better in a couple of weeks simply because, uh, and a lot of it's a neurotransmitter thing too. You're eating more. So you have serotonin and dopamine levels are greatly increased. So your mood is a lot better. Um, and you may just, and it may simply just be systemic stress being lifted because you don't have the pressure of a show. Uh, and it depends on, it all depends on how somebody handles it because some people might be depressed after show right they may they may have the complete opposite they may feel very down and feel worse than they did going into the show yeah, that's definitely possible but assuming that's not the case you're gonna feel psychologically and physically too I mean you're going to feel better much sooner than your body is fully recovered so you know it's it's important to one have lab work done um, and that's obviously going to give you have some baseline before the show. I think female competitors, uh, they tend to not have as much lab work done as a male competitor. Why? Because they probably think that, well, a lot of them might not be enhanced, so they don't have to worry about those things. And, and other others just don't really pay attention to sex hormones. And I, one of the issues with females is that if you're looking at the biological range of like mm -hmm. testosterone, for example, it's pretty mm -hmm. small compared to a male, you know, female is going to float around. Maybe it's, they're probably all going to be like less than a hundred total tests. And depending on, you know, what, what uh, units of measurement you're looking at and maybe a little bit more in some that have some hyperandrogenic type of properties, but really, I mean, they're probably going to be in the double digit somewhere. And you really don't think that much of it when you're seeing those small fluctuations, whereas in a male, you know, if you're normally 800 and you're after a show, you're 200, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty drastic. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that females pay as much attention to testosterone, for example, or estrogen, progesterone as much as they could. Um, 
there's some simple things you can do. Pay attention to ovulation and menstrual cycles. That's, you know, that's a decent, it's an okay way to gauge things. It's not foolproof because I mean, there's, there's girls out there that as soon as they drop into a calorie deficit, they lose their menstrual cycle. Like it's gone. And there's other girls, like I've prepped girls that I've pushed just as hard as anyone else. And they have a menstrual cycle the week of the show. So, um, that's not common. I would say that most girls that get pushed pretty hard in their preps tend to lose it at least briefly, but you know, you can use that. You can use, um, you can just relevant to you. If you know, like if you're prone to lose it easier, you can kind of see, Hey, as my menstrual cycle came back, uh, what does my blood work look like? Uh, how much body fat have I gained back? So you need to take into the whole scope of everything, you know, together to really be able to figure out if you're recovered or not. It's not just a matter of, Oh, my workouts feel good. That's not, that's not really a good gauge of recovery. Yeah. So in terms of, because I know obviously on um, the APD Facebook group, you guys are always talking about blood work, but I wouldn't say in the female realm, that's something that people are either open about or talk about, or whether it's just that aware, that lack of awareness. So obviously there might be some girls listening to this podcast that do take some sort of inverted commas steroids, some people that are natural. Would you say that? everyone should be every female should be getting some blood work done and what and if so what point after the show should they be getting that work that blood work done um i well i mean for one for one you need to need to understand like what happens to a female they're going to have down regulation of hormones and and i think it's also important to look at how old is the female like how old is the competitor because that's going to have a, some bearing on their recovery as well. Um, normally the consequences that I would see is it's almost like Joe said, it ends up repetitively. If you're, if you're competing repetitively, especially with relative short breaks between or just not sufficient recovery, those are typically going to push you into like an, an early menopausal state where hormones are downregulated. You're ex exhibiting those menopausal type symptoms earlier than you, you may otherwise have without competing, for example. So um, you need to be aware of those things in, in terms of like when, when to get blood work done. I mean, you can get it done any, any time. I mean, if you get it done the week after the show, you're probably going to expect that it's going to be downregulated. Uh, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't hurt to get it done a couple weeks out from the show or right after the show. It's going to show you at least what needs to be worked on in terms of recovery but I think a good take-home message would be if you do get it done really close to a show and you do have some down regulation, don't freak out. You know, that's, it's going to be normal to an extent, uh, especially, like I said, in, like, it, we see it more in males because the ranges of sex hormones are a little bit larger or testosterone is anyhow. But same thing in females. If, you're, if you are down regulated after a show, I, I think it's very important not to freak out make sure that you, you know, going through your steps, um, take time and then maybe six, eight, 12 weeks after the show, you should be seeing, especially towards the few month mark, you should be seeing some relatively normal blood work. Yeah. So that's definitely what I'm looking for. Yeah. And on this as well, I mean, I think females are subject to this. Like there's a lot of like media hype in the physique world of like, I was listening to a podcast the other day. There was a female coach on there, and she said, um, "If you get amenorrhea during your prep, then you need to find a new coach." You know, What's that's that? that's just silly. That's loss of your menstrual cycle. Okay. You know, but but I mean, losing your menstrual cycle is a physiological reaction to starvation because you know you you're not going to reproduce in an environment where there is no substrate to feed your unborn child. Yeah. Right. So things like that. So you, you see that kind of sales technique all over the place. Like Austin said, don't be worried if there is down regulation of these endogenous hormones because that's a natural physiological response it's more important where you end up at the other side yeah i think so kind cool. of like you mentioned that everything everything that you guys have spoken about and if that for example post-show people kind of get really shocked that their body's kind of almost screaming at them but i guess it's just that awareness that all these things that are happening then you're not crazy like these are all normal like this is just your body's natural response 
and just not to freak out. I think that's the way essentially a few girls kind of go wrong is that they just completely freak out and don't realise that this this is actually just a normal response to what's been going, what they've been basically, what they've been, you know, the stress they've been putting onto their body. Yeah. If you, and Joe made a good point earlier too about if you can realize, if, if you're aware of these things and educated and you, you understand what's happening, it might make it a little bit easier to cope with. You might, when you, you know, when you feel a certain way or you feel that psychological hunger, for example, you can, you can take a step back before you do anything you don't want to do and realize, okay, I'm not actually hungry. When's the last time I ate? You know, how, how am I feeling between meals? Like, is my stomach full? Like, you know, physically is my stomach full and you can evaluate your situation and kind of try to understand whether or not your reaction that you're having is psychological, is something physical going on and you can make better decisions that way. Um, that's definitely important because typically it's easy. I mean, it's easy to make, have better decision-making when everything is in homeostasis, yeah, but it's difficult when it's not. Don't like post period, in my opinion, is the most important time to have a coach because you can use it for yourself. Like, oh my God, I haven't had a period for three months. I need to gain some fat ASAP. And then you just gain a ton of body fat. You ruin your insulin sensitivity and your off season's finished before it's even started. You know, that was going to be my next kind of question is like, what are the, I guess, the overall implications to if you don't have it? So basically, what are the potential dangers and implications, I guess, in terms of health, long-term longevity in the sport, gaining muscle, all that sort of things, if you don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to have a 100% perfect post-show um, because put your most effort into it. I don't want to scare younger people, but it really helped me last year when you spoke to me, Joe, saying you could fuck this up, you could really fuck, mess that up. And that, for me, was the big driver because I could see the long terms. So I don't know if you guys want to kind of talk into what are the implications if people don't put that effort into their post-show and can kind of go, oh, I'll just go off the rails, balance, all that stuff, but then just completely overeat and just screw themselves over yeah we're talking about overeating i mean essentially you're going to put yourself in a position where if you do have future physique goals you're just going to have to diet again and therefore you haven't had sufficient period to regain this hormonal homeostasis you're still down regulated but you're also now fat with a terrible fasting insulin you know your blood glucose riding high so all the nutrients you're eating are um, favorably partitioned to the fat cell not to the muscle cell Therefore, you're going to have to just diet again. Therefore, more time of your year in a deficit, wasting time, not building muscle, not increasing performance, and further perpetuating yeah. negative health markers. Yeah, it's and Joe mentioned it like earlier. You said you basically, basically, you've ruined your off season before it's even started. At that point, I would say too with the fat regain that a lot of people actually will overshoot their previous body fat set point where they were before their prep started. I see that too. And I mean, literally you've gained so much fat that you've, that you're now fatter than when you started. So, you know, not only have you regained the body fat, but you've gained extra fat and, and you have not recovered in the process. You have also managed to not really fully recover from the actual contest. Um, there's, we talked about this, Joe and I talked about this with, uh, Victoria Felker, we had her on and we talked about just how some women especially are, they, they can regain body fat at a pretty impressive rate. Um, I've seen it I actually had an example of somebody that, because I think there's this, there's this idea too that, Oh, one day won't kill you. One week won't kill you. Or, you know, these break people kind of justify these periods where they're being very easy on themselves and it gets extended, how much damage can you actually do in a month after the show? You know, they have this idea that it's, that it's not going to be that bad. Well, it may not be, but it also may be, I mean, if you have somebody that's really downregulated and has, and it does store adipose very efficiently, I actually had one person that she regained over 40 pounds of fat in about three weeks no. and it's that is a night i mean 
that was, that's probably, and I know there's guys that gain, you know, they gain like 60 pounds in a week and, or a couple days even, which a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's water, but not, well, it, uh, sure. Some of it was, but literally, literally overshot their starting body fat set point by double. That's scary. That's scary. Because some people are just, some people are just extremely efficient at, at storing that body fat. Cause as Joe said, you are extremely insulin sensitive, but your adipose tissue is as well. So you need to be eating in a way that is going to just feed muscle. You can't, you can't be selective. Like it's, it doesn't work like that. But, but as I mentioned earlier, if you're in a modest surplus, you're going to be less likely to refill those fat stores as quickly. Um, and, and just keep fueling muscle. So your body's going to be, you know, using the calories for training, for example, um, for whatever your neat levels are during the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just, you, you know, you don't want to ruin your off season before it even starts. You, if, if you do, uh, I, I mean, I know Joe's seen it. I see it all the time. I get, I get tons of, and I'll probably get them too. I'll probably get them this winter. Every single winter after most of the shows have died down, I get inquiries from folks that say, I am, I don't know. I'll just give you, I'm, I'm two months post show. I've and they're now, you know, now they've regained all the body fat and, and then some, their insulin sensitivity is poor. You know, they have a fasting blood glucose that's a hundred or more already. Um, they're depressed. Uh, you know, they have anxiety. They have no, no routine. They have not fully recovered from their show. So their sex hormones are still downregulated. Their thyroid, while it may have bounced back some, it hasn't completely bounced back. So now that puts me in a, as a coach or whoever the coach is in a situation where you have to, you have to explain to that person, well, we still have to recover. We can't go back to a fat loss phase and help you relose this body fat and get you comfortable again because your body is not going to lose body fat. It's not it's not in a position where it's going to want to let go of body fat. So in some cases, unfortunately, you almost have to get the person fatter to, to actually put them in a situation where they can relose the body fat because you're going to have to keep feeding them in a caloric surplus. Uh, almost every, every adaption that we've talked about, any of those endogenous hormone adaptions that we've talked about, they're all going to be corrected mainly from being in a caloric surplus. That's the main driver. That's the main thing because we're now not in starvation mode. You know, we're now not, we have the energy substrates to do all of our bodily functions, to have a menstrual cycle, to, you know, everything. I mean, our body's not, our body's not going to be resistant, but again, so if you've already regained all that fat and you're pretty much shit out of luck at that point, you're going to have to go through the full recovery process. So I think that that's kind of the message I try to drive home to people when they are having a hard time wrapping their head around the importance of this, uh, of this post-show period. Um, it is, it is, if anything, post-show is the worst time to fully relax. Um, I would, I would much rather see somebody and I don't want to see, I mean, I want to see people, progress all the time because that's just the nature my nature and I know Joe's the same way but if just on paper if somebody's going to fully relax and if somebody's going to go off their diet for an entire week they're going to be much better off doing it six months after their show than the week after mm. hands down every single time so here as well when and I know Austin would have picked up on this is like when you look at the downstream effects of how somebody ended up there and then how that's perpetuating their psychological state going forward. It's usually people that are post-show and they've got this like, what now syndrome, you know, because they've been working towards this one day. And then when the show's over, you sat there the next day and it's like, you haven't got anything to work for. So you move house or get married and you've got enough to keep your mind occupied. So you get on this binge <laughs> purge cycle and then it's so hard to break. Yeah. When it's time to do it again. And you've just perpetuated this looming problem where you now have no goal your physique and you're stuck with an eating disorder. I see a lot of people go on holiday after they compete and I always think that's a really bad idea because you, for me personally you should just go back into normal normality 
and keep your mind occupied. That's what's helped me within the back, well, this week as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I did a post on this the other day because Tom, my client that just competed in the IFBB Classic, he went on holiday the day after, but it wasn't a problem because he's very psychologically strong and just stuck to his diet and kept me up. Sometimes with clients I'll say, fast all day, be active, go exploring, walk everywhere and then have one free meal in the evening, but don't binge, you know, and that's generally offset by the fact that they've been fasting and they've had high activity. But, you know, 99% of people can't do that. Yeah, we did. I don't know if it was you and I had talked about it or may have been a different podcast, but that the whole idea of um, going on what well, we call it, you guys call it holiday. We call it vacation, but same thing <laughs> right after the show, you know, that's, that's probably one of the worst ideas that you, that you could have. I mean, prioritizing or I call it, I call it periodizing your competing. So look at your, so this is going back more to the psychological and environmental things since we've been talking about hormones, but look at what's going on around you in terms of, are you a student? Are you going back to school? Are you, what's your financial situation like? Are you getting a new job? I mean, what, it, just look at all these environmental things, these potential stressors or anything that's going to greatly remove you from your typical, you know, situation um, that might be, a potential issue immediately post show just because you're going to have more triggers. You're going to have things that psychologically might set you off, stress you out and, and so on and so forth. So that could be vacation. Uh, that could be, like I said, it, it could literally be anything, you know, anything that's going to take you out of your routine. Um, I think it's your cupboards up with shit. Yeah. Big one. That, you know, that just on what you're saying there, also, it's like people do like, Oh, I'm buying all this for straight after my show whilst they're in peak week or whilst they're two weeks out and they're starving. They want all this stuff like that. It's just a terrible idea. Tell your friends and family not to bring you loads of shit to the yeah, show. I said that. I said to feast on. I was like, no, no, no extra shit, please. Because you're going to eat it. You're going to eat it when you yeah. get off stage and, and you're ecstatic or, or you're sad. You're going to be one of them. You're either going to be pissed off that you've been placed or you're going to be really happy and you're going to want to celebrate. And you're going to eat that shit. Don't yeah. And, and like, and as I said too, all that stuff that's, again, all that stuff that's hyper palatable is that's what's going to trigger your, your bench eating. I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. You can bench eat on anything. I mean, I've seen people, uh, but there's a difference between somebody that has, that maybe has a bench eating a bench just because they are in this compromised hormonal state, like post-show and somebody that has binge eating disorder that is not, that is hormonally normal. Those are two different, there are two different things. I mean, there's two different triggers, two different thought processes, but anyone after a show, like I said, anything that's hyper palatable like that, you're gonna, you think, you think that you're going to take a bite. It is, it rarely ever works like that. It's going to turn into a situation where you ate way too much. Um, so, just don't put, as Joe said, just don't put yourself in the situation. Yeah. It might be a little uncomfortable at first. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's not, it's hard to, it's hard to relay this message without it sounding like a punishment, without it sounding like you can't, you can't celebrate. Uh, but there's definitely a fine line that you have to tread. And, and people that have competed multiple times, like they're going to have a better grasp of how they're going to react and like what they can and can't do. Um, if, I mean, if you've competed five or 10 times and you still binge after every single show, then you're just an idiot because you know, like you, you know what situation is triggering you. You need to stop it. Yeah. Um, but if you're a first time competitor or second time even, and, or somebody that's had a bad experience, you need to change your, you need to change your post-show environment and approach because again, you don't want to end up like that person. That's eight weeks after their show and has gained 40 pounds of fat. So, yeah. yeah, like Austin said, like you can binge on anything and don't think you can. How many yeah. people are told by their coach you don't need to weigh your green vegetables and they have binged on green vegetables mm. and give yeah. severe GI distress and fiber and, you know. Yeah. It's in, anything. No, go ahead. Well, I just say, I think it comes down to knowing yourself. 
so I know what I'm like. <laughs> so there's no point putting anything Harvey in in terms of chocolate or yeah, it's just it's, it would be it would be pointless for me. And I said to my friends, just don't buy that stuff. Like I've got a hen do next month. Like just it doesn't need to be right now. And that's the kind of the reaction I was getting from people as well. It's old because you go out for food straight away. And I've I've had to ask my friends be like, no, not straight away unless it's Nando's. And it's just it's people kind of thing. It's it's hard when you've got people that either don't understand it or they just try I don't know, try and make it harder. <laughs> because I've made it hard from kind of wanting to stay a bit more on plan. Like I was FaceTiming a friend yesterday eating like chicken and um like I yeah, you know, I was spending two hours and I'm like this week, what I've done is done a bit of a food diary so and then tried to distinguish what is psychological what is physical hunger and just try and be my own detective in that sense I think you've got to be on top of yourself and really self-aware about how you're reacting to certain things that I always find myself doing loads of like just walking aimlessly around the kitchen and just it was just my brain obviously my brain was just going towards the fridge but it's just getting that awareness to know what situations are going to trigger you and what you can kind of do but yeah, that is a good point, actually, because like me and Austin are very similar. Like, there's nothing on this planet that could make us eat off <laughs> our plan. I know. But then there's you people guys. that just need a little push in the wrong direction. And two, though, even though Joe mentioned that, though, that's not to say that we're immune to feeling like feeling those psychological hunger like anyone else. Like, it's still it still happens. I mean, even the people that even the people that are that do execute post show very thoroughly, they don't, you know, they don't cheat or whatever. I mean, they're still most likely feeling those things. It's just, again, their, their awareness is a lot better and yeah, it's a willpower thing. Sure. That's part of it. Uh, but again, it's just, it's the point that I always drive home about any decision-making ever is, if you're in a compromised state, whether it's emotionally, physically, hormonally, you always need to stop and take a step back and think and try to think logically before you make any kind of decision. And post-show is like the least, you're in like the least logical state ever. You're in the most emotionally driven state ever because you could be pissed off or happy, like Joe said. You Now you've you've taken someone that has not only multiple hormonal down regulations but also has all the neuro you know all neurotransmitter down regulation and everything's out of whack um you're literally in the most compromised state that you could ever be in after a show it's the most unnatural unhealthy i don't even know what word you want to use you know away from it's the furthest it's the furthest thing away from homeostasis that you're ever going to be post-show no, hands down. So again, your decision making ability is not going to be very good. Yeah. Yeah. So if I was going to summarize what we've spoken about as a practical guide, if anybody's out there thinking like, well, what do I do then? So the first thing we've spoken about hormones, simply spend some time on a rough surplus, if that's the way you're doing your reverse diet, um, ideally. And then go on medi checks and just order yourself a female hormonal panel. And then go to somebody that understands how to read blood work or learn yourself and, and check where you are and what markers can be improved and how to improve them, essentially. And keep a coach. Whether that is switching, as I, I did straight after my show in PCA Hampshire, went to Austin, <laughs> not look back. But yeah, I think definitely keeping that coach there and that accountability. I know some people say, oh, I've got no money to have a coach, but I do think in, in the off-season, having that coach there is really, really valuable. Yeah, buy less Starbucks. Yeah, because some people, some people yeah. find show and then they get to off season. They actually that's when everything kind of starts to. Yeah, because they've got no goal. They're in yeah. that. What now? You know. And budget, budget ahead of time. Budget before your prep. Like I know with me, I'm I'm really adamant about people working with me post show. And if they tell me, and but the thing is, I'll bring it up well before the comp. You know, well before the show. So I'm not bringing it up like two days out. If if it's a budgeting issue. Pay payments ahead of time. Accumulate, like accumulate the money in in your post show bank, and after then after the show's over, you're paid up. You have the time. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it's not, you know. I mean, can't afford the insurance at the other end. 
Right. Most coaches, like most coaches that are going to be worth their salt and are going to understand the importance of post-show period, they're going to be flexible enough to figure out how to make it work for you. Because I mean, the last thing, anyone that understands the implications that could happen during a post-show period is going to, you know, be, be really adamant about, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I've had people that I've had first time competitors and I won't always do this, but I've done it before that I won't prep them because they won't stay on with me post-show. And the only reason I do that is because I can tell right off the bat just by talking to them and listening to them. Or even to, I guess or just work with a client that isn't going to be able to be receptive and open at the same time as well. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so in terms of training and cardio, then that's one thing we can't. We've mentioned a lot of nutritional aspects there. In terms of training, cardio, what is some people completely take the whole week off the gym? Some people go straight back into it. Like, what would you say from an optimal standpoint um, is perhaps the best way to go? about it a lot of context in that question Sorry. <laughs> most people are going to be fairly overreached if you're getting really lean by the end of your show so it's probably a good idea to deload for you know x amount of time your preferred kind of deload whether that's pulling back volume intensity frequency whatever you know just to decrease that cns stimulation and increase pns stimulation to kick up that recovery startup in general Although some people feel great and motivated post-show and they want to smash it and, you know, they can keep training. Um, I, I generally don't ever advise anybody take a whole week off. There's only ever going to be general regression there, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You'd have to be pretty damn, probably clinically overtrained for me to recommend. You know, overtraining is a medical term. It's not something that bodybuilders encounter, to be honest. We don't do enough but overreaching exists in the physique development world. You'd have to be really overtrained for me to say, don't train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's all, it's like I said, Joe, Joe said, it's all kind of relevant to the person. Um, you got to think of anything CNS taxing though, that could be hit cardio, for example, you know, that's another one. Um, that's still CNS taxing. I could be like, if somebody's on, a shitload of stimulants and they're on, you know, Yohimbine Clen taking in a gram and a half of caffeine a day. Like anything that's really CNS taxing, we're probably going to try to limit that post-show just as much as, you know, as much as possible. As far as like how to, cause this is a question I get a lot is how do you like, how do I determine when to change nutrition versus cardio? Like what do I pull first? How do I push pull? in nutrition and cardio and like general rule of thumb I think for me is just look at which one which one is more extreme and for some people they're going to be doing eating very little and doing a lot of cardio but in general you know if somebody's doing a lot of cardio and their deficit isn't or I'm sorry and their calories aren't extremely harsh then you know I might want to pull the cardio first a little more heavily from the cardio side or vice versa or if they're doing a lot of cardio and eating very little then pull equally. But again, you also, you got to look at how beat up are they? How far overreached are they? I've had people that they're just so, they're so overreached that even though they're only, I got rid of the uh, hit cardio, I start pulling out steady state cardio or lowering meat levels simply because their legs just hurt and they can hardly move. You know, I'd rather them eat a little bit less and let their body recover from excessive movement. Uh, so again, you got to have, you got to provide the right kind of feedback. But with the training, I mean, like what, look at we, what we've done so far. We basically took, we basically took your training that you did before the show, which was a scaled down version and continued it post show. And normally what I'll do with a lot of people is I'll continue it post show until they, exhibit signs of feeling better because they're gonna I would rather them do that like in most cases I would rather someone have to do scaled down training for three to four weeks after the show even rather than sit on their ass for one week does that make sense yeah I know what you mean so 
it's, I, I just feel that most people psychologically recover, like they, they do better if they're doing something. So I would rather them take a couple extra weeks to recover fully in terms of training in your nervous system than sit around and do nothing for an entire week. Uh, and just because, I mean, you could, well, for one, you're, you know, you have no caloric expenditure outside of your knee levels. You don't have, you know, you don't have the nutrient partitioning from training. It's just, I find that taking the week off right after you compete is just, it's a bad idea from physically and psychologically. Yeah, definitely. In terms of routine as well, it goes back to, I think it is better just to go back into normal life and just, you know, like that show was just another day. Um, I yeah. do think you are so much better for it. Joe, is there anything? Um, well, yeah, on that, just like what you two were saying, like don't get lazy post-show or peak week for that matter. If you're walking everywhere, don't think, oh, it's peak week, I need to just chill out because you're going to throw yourself in the deep end of a surplus because... Trust me, you don't know how many calories you're burning with your non-exercise activated activities. And it's the same thing post-show. Don't just stop doing all that you were doing. You've got to remember that your surplus isn't where it was. So when I say put yourself in an estimated surplus, it's not going to be the same as it was when you weighed 230 pounds more because you had 200... Um, <laughs> when you weighed 230, when you weighed 30 pounds more because you had 30 pounds more mass to carry everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So, and that's why I, look, I mentioned the cardio, I'm sorry, in the cardio and nutrition part, and even the fat loss, like if you're using a lot of fat loss supplementation, like exo especially like exogenous thyroid hormones or something like somebody using like DNP, for example, that, that definitely raises your metabolic rate a, a pretty substantial amount for a supplement. Um, what is you don't just want... Sorry, Austin, for people that might not know what... Obviously, I know to eat what DMP is could be dry, but what is DMP? I don't know oh, I, I'm not suggesting it. I hope the bikini girls don't have to use it. I'm not. It's an insecticide. I just think about it. It's the first time. I think, <laughs> I think it's going to be speaking about this, but I think it's the first time we've spoken about drug use on the podcast. Don't, just people are going to know what the stuff is. Bikini girl don't don't need it, but don't think that they don't use it. Yeah, I know. That's another problem. Yeah, it's not to say they don't. Um, I would say... Yeah, it's an insecticide, like Joe said, but essentially it's going to raise your basal metabolic rate through raising body temperature. It's an uncoupling agent. So my the reason I brought it up is because if you're taking, let's say you're not, that they're not even taking that, but they're using maybe exogenous thyroid. And even if they're not, maybe they're using um, just like Yohimbine HCL and then maybe like a, a beta receptor, something like uh, ephedrine or clenbuterol. So they... You, that, that has some impact. So now you take that and now you take all your neat levels and now you take, and you take all the cardio you're doing and you take your nutrition. If you just think, Oh, I want to create a 500 calorie surplus and you create that through nutrition, but you've stopped doing all your cardio. Well, now you've created a 3,500 calorie surplus per day. I'm, I'm, that's extreme obviously, but my point is that your surplus comes from all of those things combined. That's, that's why you need to like push and pull little bits from each area as a pro, you know, as it's appropriate rather than, I don't know. I think a lot of people probably stop, especially the cardio things. Probably what gets a lot of people in trouble post-show is they, they drop out cardio way too quickly and their knee levels drop way too much. And they've now created, even though, they may not have changed their nutrition that much. They've created a huge surplus because their activity levels have gone down so much. Yeah, that's something that I didn't um, really understand probably until probably last year. But yeah, you just don't, sometimes you just don't think. You just, you just don't, you think, oh yeah, I'll just relax. Without actually really understanding what the implications of having that mentality could be, obviously from the post-show sort of side. But. Yeah, so... <laughs> Pretty much covered everything that was on the list. The only thing I, sorry, digestion is that one potentially that we should be covering. Yeah, but that's probably a podcast in itself. Yeah, I feel like we need about five for GI, <laughs> GI health post show is very important, but there's a lot that I'm sure me and Austin could speak about on it. Mm. And setting yourself up for a good off season digestive health wise is important. And that's another episode. Right down to things that trash your GI health, like excessive CNS stimulation and lack thereof, PNS stimulation, 
at the end of your contest prep. Yeah. So, yeah, we should dig into that another time, maybe. I think it's going to be a lot coming from you guys. Because, yeah, there's, again, there's nothing really out there when it comes to the female side as well. So. Well, I'm sure we could come on and talk about drugs as well. Yeah. No bars held with this podcast. But um, cool. All right. So in terms of the summary for what we've just gone from there. So whether it's the same coach, a different coach, having someone throughout that post-show period, really important for accountability. Um, making sure you're doing the right thing. And again, having that objective eye, that is a big one, I think, with bodybuilding anyway. Be careful when you're doing, when you're starting to drop activity levels then. I think that's one thing to mention. Yeah, still accurately track your activity. Yeah. Sure. Because of food as well. So you guys mentioned don't, I guess, know yourself. Something I didn't mention time. is oh, don't yeah. throw in loads of foods that you haven't eaten for your whole prep. Mm. You know, if you've just eaten easily digested like you've eaten, you know, your carb sources were rice and butter cakes, your protein sources were chicken and fish, and your fat sources were just almond butter, don't start eating loads of shit that you haven't eaten because you're going to trash your GI pretty quick. There's going to be some enzymatic downregulation there somehow. Mm. Um, stick to food sources that you digest really well and make you pay. I think a good a sort of anecdote for post-show is listen to how foods are making your body feel rather than what food you psychologically want and crave. Mm. I think that distinction is probably the biggest one. I think it's something that you learn as well. And I think you just got to be proactive with it. There's no point just going to like a very much zombie mode after you've come out of your show. Like I think the hard work kind of starts after, in some respects. But um, what is in this? Green tea. Jazz has made me some tea. It tastes really. I've weird. made the shittest green tea ever. Apparently. It was peppermint, I think. Oh, uh, I'm uh, I'm watching birds out my window right now. <laughs> have you got a bird? <laughs> yeah, I do. I have two. Well, three of them in the backyard, and I've I've been experimenting with like all the different uh, different feeds to see what I could attract back here. I know I'm a weirdo, but I'm at home by myself all day, so we used to get some big birds with um what was it we used to use? I them worms. Yeah, I was I was researching how I could get like hawks and eagles in my backyard but i guess they'd kill everything else so i probably shouldn't you should run a little experiment where you put trend in all the feet oh my god <laughs> i was thinking i was thinking i would just hang like a dead like a deer carcass in my backyard and that would attract some big birds right yeah or bears <laughs> get some of the old phenoplex pellets because they've got e2 yeah them. just put them, put them in the food yeah. I, I wonder what would happen they'd probably I don't know. That would that would be interesting. Trash their lipids and kill them. Probably. Oh my god! Most likely, because the bird weighs the bird weighs about three ounces. Yeah. Think about the milligram per kilogram dose. Of the same <laughs> milligrams of trend in a bird. This is what sorry, guys. Sorry, Jason. We, uh, these two are like two peas in a bloody pod. I'm gonna okay. I think we covered everything though pretty pretty well. Uh, general birds in the garden, but cool, right? Thanks so much, guys, for coming on. Um, I am going to get these guys back on again because I had a few people ask me questions and I ain't no coach, so I have not got the answer. And in terms of digestion, it's a big one we need to cover. Obviously, PED use, I think that's one that is quite interesting, um, whether people are natural or enhanced. So, yeah, more to come from these guys, but I honestly would not trust anyone else apart from these two guys. Do you know what one question that I get from women all the time, so I'll cover it while I'm here with a female audience. Females always ask me, how come you don't coach Jasmine? <laughs> and that, that is oh, quite God. a simple answer. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Self-awareness, guys. It's, like, it's like me saying, why don't you get your dad to teach you to drive? <laughs> you know? See, this is why we have a good setup, because Austin is like in the US, he's far away. And I won't talk back to him. So and that's the thing. for a small cash exchange, I saved myself a great deal of stress. Yeah, see, I've I've probably added five years to your lifespan. I think so. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks me for that. With my tremble and abuse. Oh my god. Yeah. So we're we're I'm offsetting. I'm keeping you alive, essentially. <laughs> that's why I've aged so much since being with Jazz. Oh, because of stress. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good stress. Aww. But, <laughs> right, I think we should be. Yeah, I'm off for a nap now, actually. Oh, thank you so much, Austin, for coming on. If anyone does have any questions for these guys, always hit them up. OPD group. Let, let me interrupt myself. www.jjphysique.com. Got the podcast with me and Austin over there. Or just search me up on Facebook, Joe Jeffrey, and request to be added to the group. Optimal Physique Development. Um, that's where me and Austin handle business in there. And um, hit Austin up. Yeah, Austin, Austin where himself. can people find you? Oh, Joe Jeffrey. Yeah. You- <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Facebook, Facebook or Instagram, Austin Stout. You should be able to find me. There's some kind of bodybuilding profile picture, so you'll you'll recognize me. And that's probably fine. I mean, I can provide details from there, or you can get me on email. Actually, my email is spread all over, spread all over my social media as well, so you can find it. So, I hate yep. you so much. Hey, well, it always goes into junk. It's oh, oh it data four. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the competitors know are uh, know me from the RX Muscle forums. I'm sure. I still remember all those old names. There was you say data, don't you? Data for data, data. Either way, same thing. Just listen to Austin talk because I just love my voice anyway. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> I'll go. To, I'll go to bed. You and Austin keep chatting. <laughs> Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. And thank you so much for listening. If you do like what you heard, then please do go and leave a review. And make sure you're subscribed and ready for when these guys are going to come on. And yeah. Check out our podcast because it's better than this one. Obviously. So much. <laughs>